every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, we so desire to see you move in our generation. We so desire to see an authentic uh, move of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here. You're in our hearts. You're in our midst. And Lord God, you're working. And Holy Spirit, tonight we ask that you would cause the, the Bible to come alive in us. We pray that the Word of God would become life to us. And God, the thing that you gave us that we're so thankful for in your word, that it would not be an obligatory uh, discipline, but that it would become life to us, that we would eat the word, that we would eat this word, that we, would, that we would love it and digest it. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would escort us into a, a loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We honor you and we love you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Uh, my sermon tonight is called, What Jesus Wants From You. What Jesus Wants From You. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great. Say great. Great. This is the first and great commandment. So if you want to ask the question, what does Jesus really want from me? Jesus responds to Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law in this moment where he sums up the fullness of what he desires from people. That's you, that's me, in this statement. Love, love the Lord your God with all with all of your heart. And so it's first in the sense that it's first priority, but what I find additionally interesting is that Jesus not only says first commandment, you've known that since Sunday school, but he also says, and the great commandment. And when I look at the great commandment, I don't know all that Jesus meant by this, but when I hear that, here's what I see. Here's what I think. Jesus says, not only should this be first in terms of your priority, but if you want entrance into an epic journey in God, if you want uh, an opportunity to enter into a thrilling life in God, this is the great commandment. This is the all-consuming. This is the one that goes beyond just religious discipline. This is everything. This will cause your life to have purpose, meaning, delight, This is the first commandment, and it's intriguing, and this is the great commandment. This is first, and this is great. This is first, that it's first on priority, but this is great, and that if you'll understand this, there's much to find in it. You and I, when we hear that, we think, okay, I've heard that for a long time. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And the question comes up, how? How do I love God with all of my heart? The answer to that is this. We love him because he first loved us. To the measure that you understand, meditate, pray on, contemplate, think through, feel God's love for you, that will be the greatest measure that you're able to reciprocate love back to God. So the person that has a, a revelation of God's love for them will be able to turn around and love God back with strength. When you know that you're loved, it opens up the door of your heart to love back, to reciprocate love, to to love back. So if, if Dan Perkins and I don't know each other, it's very difficult to love each other. But when Dan knows that I love Dan, that I'm for Dan, I want the best for Dan, I think Dan walks on water, almost. I think Dan's awesome. I want him to succeed in life. I love him no matter what, you know, whether he grows taller than me or not. No matter what, whether my clothes are cooler or not, to the end, I love Dan. If you you love Dan like that, year after year after year, it makes it easy for Dan to turn around and go, well, you like me, I like you. You love me, I, I like you back. And one of the great lies of the enemy is he will come to you and he will mostly accuse the way that you believe God loves you. So the great lie of the enemy is to come to you and say, you have not attained to the full measure of your purpose. You have sinned far too much. 
You made out with that girl far too long. You're a pathetic slug. God surely doesn't love you as much as he loves so-and-so. And the great accusation will be, God, surely God can't love you in fullness. And the person that believes that lie is never able to fully love God with all of their heart. The great way that you will be able to love God with everything is the measure to which you understand. He loves, delights, treasures you. And that's the key. That's the critical thing. Tonight, I'm gonna, I want to talk about seven keys, seven dynamics to loving God. All of us, all of us are committed to it. My hope is that this will help you in the journey. When you look at, n- number one, God is love and God is in relationship. And that's an interesting thing. To, it's kind of hard to understand. But we find throughout the scriptures, Jesus talking about how the Father loves him. Okay? We also find Jesus talking about love for the Father. We know that there's a relationship, there's a love relationship going on within God, within God himself. So it's not just that God is love like a characteristic. You know, like God is big. It is God is love in the sense that even within understanding the Trinity, even within understanding God, there's a love relationship going on. So the father loves the son, son loves the father. So he not only possesses a characteristic that is love, but in his being, he demonstrates what love is. So when we want to understand what love is, we look to God. And we look to him, we want to encounter love. And you and I essentially, according to John 17, 26, are invited into, and this is a little bit heady, I want you to get this, But in a sense, you and I are invited to experience and encounter the love of God the way that already exists within the Godhead. So Jesus prays in John 17 that we, you and I, would know the Father's love like he knows the Father's love. That's a full expression of love. That's a lot of love. The way that God loves God. Did I lose you? All right, a couple theology majors are like still with me. Okay, so so in John 17, Jesus prays, my desire, Father, John 17, 24, my desire is that they would see me. 26 says, I want them to love me the way that you love me. So first he says, hey, I want them to know the love that I know. And then he says, I want them to love me the way that you love me. So you, in a sense, as baffling as this is, in the midst of all your shame, all hey, guys right over here at this table, I need, I need you guys to turn around. Yeah, can you do that and just sit at a table you're facing me? All right, I need ever, this is, this is, this is like uh, not a seeker service here. This is just us going after God here crazy and I'll say whatever I want. All right, so, all right, all right, so, um, so you and I, so you and I ha- are invited into this relationship and when you perceive that, as the primary thrill and opportunity of your life, it affects everything that you do. You've been invited into this relationship. And that, I believe, within it is a great pursuit to know this love. That's what Paul prays in Ephesians. I want to know this love. How wide, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? We want to experience, we want to encounter. So one of the great missions of the disciple, you're all disciples, you've all said yes to the finished work of the cross, you're all crazy enough to pay money to pray all the time, you're a nuthead, all right? That's who you are. So you've already bought into this, so I'm assuming that we're all on the same path here. You're someone that says, I'm into this, so here's, so here's the idea. You and I have been invited into this love relationship with God the measure to which you understand God loves you will transform your heart. And as you start to live in love with God, knowing that he delights in, enjoys, and loves you, you will be able then to open up your heart and actually love in fullness back. 
So number one, in order to understand, you've got to understand Jesus' love. Jesus is loved by the Father. Jesus loves the Father. Okay? And, and one of the things that this does inevitably is this causes you to say, I want to have an encounter with Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I mean, because when you start praying, so I know those lights are kind of nuts. It's not like a new light show. It's, they're broken. All right, so that's just how they are. Welcome to the World Prayer Center. <sighs> there will be light in my house of prayer. But, um, but so, so the idea is, is that when you start praying that, okay, Jesus says, John 17, he prays that we would know the love of the Father, that we would actually love Jesus the way that the Father loves him, you start turning that into conversation, right? When you start praying John 17, or you start praying Ephesians 3, or you start praying some of these things and saying, I want to know this love. I want to know Jesus. I want to love like the Father loves. I want to love Jesus with all my heart. I want every, uh, what, what that starts to produce in you is a desire for encounter. Now, everybody gets kind of weird when you start talking encounter and experiences because some people will look at that and some people get off on the wrong track and some people make the experience the end. And they're all about the experience. But the substance of our, of, our, of our relationship with God is relationship. It's not an experience. Okay? So the experience takes us to Jesus. It's our, well, our end, Jesus is our end. Experiences, though, can be a great means to the end. Who's the end? Jesus is the end. And the crazy thing is, is that Jesus is the end and Jesus is the means. Jesus escorts us. Jesus gives us encounter so that we would grow in relationship with him. Are you with me? So, so we don't go, I want an experience for experience sake. We go, I want experience because I want relationship. And when you look at experiences in relationship, those are good and those are helpful. Let me explain. If I look at, again, let me say my relationship with Dan. If I look at my relationship with Dan, and I go, man, I want to have a great relationship with you, Dan. I'm committed to you, all right? But we have zero interaction, or very few memories. Then most of our relationship is based on resolve. We like each other. Okay? But the substance of our friendship is weak. However, if we say, just for fun, dance on a boat in, in, on the Sea of Galilee together in Israel, or hypothetically speaking, take a flight to Chicago, drive all the way downtown Chicago for 30 minutes, split a cookie at the ESPN zone, and then drive all the way back to the O'Hare airport just for the fun of it, or have, how old are you? 26 years of being brothers, or grow up, we're real close, or grow up, being in the, in the same house, all right? The nature of experiences, hanging out together, doing ministry together for seven years, texting each other constantly, watching Sooner games together, connecting experiences is a substance. And it's not the end goal, but it sure helps the relationship. Are you with me? So the very nature of having those memories, those encounters, those experiences helps the friendship, Okay? So what I'm saying is, is that as you pursue Jesus, as you start to pray this prayer, I want to love him. We desire that it goes beyond a resolve. It goes on beyond theoretically, I want to know him, you know? Because the truth is, you'll find many people that will make that statement. Because it's a, it's a learned statement. We've learned now that we ought to want that. It's common vernacular. But when the rubber meets the road, the person that's desperate to know him, the person that really wants to love Jesus is like, I'm eager for the encounter. I'm eager for the experience. What would some of those things be? Well, it would be a power encounter with the word of God. It could be dreams. It could be visions. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking through another person to you. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking straight, just talking to you. It could be in a, in a moment in worship where suddenly you see God in a new light. It could be, you know, it could be any of these things, all of these things. But when you're constantly crying out, God, I want to know you, I want to experience you, I want to see you. The goal is not the experience for the sake of, you know, spiritual thrill. 
the end, the goal, the substance, the meat, the weight, what we want is to love Jesus with all our heart. And so in that, encounters are good. Say encounters are good. All right? And I know what you'll have. You'll have two people. You'll have some people that come along and they make encounters at the end. You'll have other people that say, you know what, I'm just, I just love Jesus. I'm not trying to seek an encounter. It's, it's a false dichotomy. The very nature of authentic, real eagerness for relationship. All right, so, so you'll have some people that will criticize and say, hey man, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into that experiential thing, all right? The truth is, we don't want to be on the edge where we're seeking experience. We want to be on the place where we're seeking Jesus, and because of that, we want authentic relationship. We want to, ex- we want to experience and encounter and know, okay? All right, so we are a tribe that says, no doubt, we want encounters with God, big time. Why? Because it is a great means to enhanced love. And that is what Jesus says is the first and great commandment. All right? Okay, so number two. All right? Be transformed by beholding Jesus. Be transformed by beholding Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all, now that's interesting, we all. So that says, those of you that are, you know, glow in the dark spiritually have a you know a face that radiates naturally or have perfect parents or whatever no all say all we all so this works for everybody that means this works for you here's what people do Uh, i don't know shut up but we all we all this works for us with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed Changed, transformed, altered, becoming different into the same image. What image? The image that you're beholding. We're starting to be transformed into what you behold, right? And that happens, we see that, that's a spiritual principle, but we see that all the time, right? All right? The people that watch Austin Powers over and over again start talking like Austin Powers, right? The people that are massively into the office start making that's what she said jokes, right? That's the way that it works, okay? Why? Because you start to be transformed into the image of what you watch, right? Okay, what you encounter, what you see, what you behold, all right? All right, so when you behold God, when you consistently come before me and say, I want to behold his image, are being transformed into the same image from, and that's interesting, from glory to glory. It's interesting. It's like from one degree to the next. So one degree, you know, Amy Burr is one degree of being transformed, but as she beholds God over and over and over again, that is the method to transformation. Say it again. It's the same thing David said when he said in Psalm 24, this one thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and behold him in his temple. David's saying, if I gaze on God, I'm transformed. I want more of God. The way that you become transformed is that you behold is that you behold. Now, here's your temptation. Your temptation is to, is to try to be transformed the way that you're, you transform everything else in the physical world, right? If you want to be transformed physically, you get the grr, watch this, tiger, and you go lift weights, right? If you want to be, uh, you know, grow more hair back, then you go buy the little, uh, what's, Rogaine, put it on your hair, transform my hair, go by doing something, watch this, I'll grow my hair back. If you want a girlfriend, you go, watch this, I'll go pursue 10. Surely one will like me, right? <laughs> you you kind of take it into your, your own hands and you go, here goes nothing, all right? And in your own strength, you pursue. But here's the thing in being transformed and growing in love with Jesus. You're transformed by beholding him from glory to glory. And the way the transformation happens is God transforms you as you behold him and that's hard for us because we're americans and we want to do it our way and we want to make a chart and look at each other in accountability group and the only way that we're transformed is to say aaron olson if you don't stop beating up chelsea every morning i'm going to beat you with a bat right 
and we want to do it our way, all right? And we want to put, but that's not it. If I really want to help Aaron, then I say, Aaron, get before God, gaze upon God, and you'll be transformed from glory to, from one stage to the next. So you want to love Jesus with all your heart? The nature of becoming like him gives you massive momentum. Let me say that again. When you start to like become like Jesus and you can see physical transformation, you know, in your life, I'm nothing like I used to be, right? Where you can see that transformation. There's something that goes, uh-oh, I'm changing, I'm being transformed, I'm different, I don't, you know, I don't beat up girls anymore. Good day, right? I'm, I, I, <laughs> We'll work on that. Okay, so, that, so that's, that is one of the, the, the key secrets of transformation. It's not about you and your own strength. You're being transformed. God's transforming you, not you transforming yourself. As you behold. As you sit, Bible open, spirit of prayer, oh God. I want to see you. I want to know you. So here's the process. First, when it comes to beholding, number one thing, everybody write this down. Number one thing you behold, you start off with, is God's love. God loves me. And when that starts to open up, the next phase that will happen, you'll start to love God. You can't meditate on he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. In due time, something opens up in your heart and you go, and I love you. I see this with my little kids, right? I tell them over and over and over again, who loves you? Daddy, you know, I say that to them, who loves you? They say, daddy. Who loves you? Daddy. And then I, you know, say, who's the tallest? Daddy. And then who's the best? Daddy. You know, I, I take advantage of their naivety. But anyway, I, it's for my own good. But anyway, so I say that. Who loves you? Who loves you? Who loves you? And in due time, you know what comes back? Well, I love you, right? And you go, okay, well, that's a, those are little kids. No, it's the same way for 30 year old, or how old are you? 25, 20, 18, 19, whatever. 19, 20, it's the same. You start, father says it to you over and over again. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. The 21 year old that's totally like discouraged and broken that starts meditating on that, all of a sudden, Instead of entering into the conversation about how intellectually I can't understand the existence of God, they enter in the conversation and they just, in their heart, they're just going, I just love him. He's real. I I, I love him. And the very, the, 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 the emotional part of their argument is that there's encounter. They've beheld him. They've seen him. They know him. Behold him. So he's a God that in his very nature is love. Within the Trinity there is is love. How do I get love for God? Meditate on God. Behold him. Know him. Another one is this. Love gives all. Love gives everything. The great weakness and temptation for you and I in America is to give some, just some. And the, it's, like, it's like if you'll just give just that last piece, you know, that last little bit. I'm giving everything to God, I'm giving everything to God. I'm, giving, like, I'm taking this back from God, I'm taking this back from God. I'm re-giving everything to God, I'm re-giving everything to God. I'm, I'm gonna take, except for my Facebook and some other things. I still wanna watch godless movies and try to figure out justification on how it's gonna be okay because I'm trying to be culturally relevant, so show me nudity and cussing and I'll say it's no big deal. (coughs) Friends, I'll tell you, you start beholding God, your level of what you want changes. I wanna be transformed. I'm not looking at what I can get away with and how I can justify it and still make it to heaven. Oh, no, no. 
I'm already saved, redeemed on my way to heaven. I want the first commandment to burn bright within me. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to behold him. I want to give all. I want to give everything. We find that those are the people that Jesus praises. Those that give all. That'll cost you. But that's your delight. The very nature of what you'll throw down before the throne one day is the crown. I throw my crown. I throw everything down. And in that moment, can you imagine having nothing to throw? I'm I'm here. No. When we throw our crowns down, it's like everything that I have obtained is because of your glory, because you're awesome, because I loved you with everything. And these crowns, these were my successes. These were what I did. And friends, that's not like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I made an A on a test. Shut up. No, that's like attaining to the things that Jesus said. And we go, no, 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 this was not about my spiritual successes. This was because of you. You were what motivated me. You were the means. You were the end. And it's my delight and my privilege to throw everything down at your feet. And when we throw our crowns down, when we lay our crowns down, that's the final moment of saying, you are worth all. You are worth everything. And that, that, that means that invades us. That does mean who you date. That does mean how you spend your money. That does mean how you spend your time. But the nature of when that's bubbling inside of you, when you're doing the first one and you're going, God, I want to enter into this relationship. Holy Spirit, escort me into the love of God. I mean, it's your kindness that leads to repentance. So I want to know the kindness of God. I want to know the love of God. I want to know it, know it, know it. Then you're beholding him and you're, be, and you're seeing him. The overflow of that is I want to give everything. It's not like, dang it, I got to give that up. Lame. I love whatever, fill in the blank, you're all thinking. No. No, the nature of the redeemed is <laughs> what gift can I bring? What crown can I throw down? How much more can I give? Love gives everything. Love throws in everything. Like the widow. Love gives all. Love gives everything. Number four, love Jesus now. Now. Not one day. Dude, one day when I like have three kids, a mortgage, and like, you know, car, finally have my wife, maybe a Harley, (laughs) my own website. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Then I can attain. Then I'll have time. Dude, right now I'm taking like 21 credit hours. Like I'm working, you know, at like Arby's and I make potato cakes all day and I'm super busy and you don't understand. Like I have a fungus on my foot. I spend most of the time with the doctor (laughs) and I'm really trying to work out because no girls will go out with me. And one day when I reach this certain measure of life, you know, readjusting on that day, then I'll be wholehearted. Then I'll love with everything. The greatness of loving Jesus is now, right now, right there at Arby's, potato cakes, grease on the face, rock. Right there, right now. You don't have to, I'm not talking about like you have to spend hours a day like a monk alone with God. I'm talking about loving God with everything in whatever context you're living in now, but intentionally trying to grow in love with Jesus today. You're 19 years old. This is this now. Let me tell you this. Your your life will never be convenient for sacrifice. You, You never just arrive and it's like, oh, now it's, now it's time to love God. No, you'll be in college, you'll be stressed out about trying to finish, you'll be, you know, trying to figure out if you're going to really, really end up, you know, if that, <laughs> that gift of celibacy really is in you, you know, you're gonna, some of you that just struck a, pain, a chord of pain in your heart, you're like, oh no. <laughs> you're in that season where you're trying to work a job, be in the furnace, do multiple things, 
But you'll just go from one phase to the next. You'll go to the next phase where it's like starting the career, trying to get ahead, get the mortgage. Then you got 10 years later, you got little kids that you have to like dress up all the time, diapers. 10 years later, you're trying to keep teenagers from rebellion and you've got your boss mad. There's always, there's always trying to, everybody's always like, when I get this friendship right, when I get this boss right, when I get work right, when I get the education right, as soon as I get all the dots connected, then, no, now. Not then, now. One of the great keys to loving Jesus with all is just start now. Just right here, just right here. I mean, you can be, you know, long hair and tattoos all over and feisty and love to just get like in fights with Austin. You could be whoever you are right here, right now. Be you. Right now. That's it. Right now. Everybody say now. 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 Tonight. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We go, oh, you know, maybe tomorrow. Tonight I'm going to go home. I'm going to yell at my roommate, waste another couple hours on A, B, and C. No. Now. tonight in this service when I leave tonight tomorrow morning every day is a divine sovereign gift from you to fulfill the first commandment how can I love you with all today how can I love you now and and here's the thing sometimes we look at that and we go well one day I'll be you know more mature well, by God's grace, I hope that's true, but that's no excuse to not start now because God looks at you and even in the midst of just whatever you have to offer, God looks and if you're getting started in, in giving to him, and when I say love, you know, you could take this anywhere. You could take this in any form of sacrifice. This can go break down to giving to the poor. This could break down into your attitude being like Christ Jesus. This can break down in a whole lot of different levels. I'm just talking big principle love here. The critical thing is that we start now. Number five is this, sincerely love Jesus. You know what's interesting about Jesus on planet earth when he's walking around? He's always praising sincerity. He loves sincerity. He's never really praising those that attain and are cocky about it. Those that, are, that attain and sincere get praised. Those that are weak but sincere Jesus praises. So the issue is rarely ever what you attain. The issue is sincerity. At your core, in your heart, is there a willingness? Are you a willing one? Is it in you that, you know, you may fall down 10,000 times, but when you have this understanding of God's delight and God's love, you get up 10,001. The person that stays down on the 10,000th time Ultimately, here's what that statement is. This is about my strength. I don't have what it takes. The person that stays down is saying, it's about me. The person that stays down is ultimately saying, I don't really believe, I, don't, I really haven't meditated on, I really don't, I, at my core, fundamentally, a core conviction is not he loves me, 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 he loves me. Are you with me? Because if at your core you believe and you know that, then you fall down 10,000 times, you get up 10,001. Nobody starts off mature. And you go, I should be mature now, you know, like I'm 20. You know, like, got saved at church camp when I was 16. I was hoping to lead a youth revival by now. You know, I was hoping God would sovereignly show me my spouse by now. I'm really disappointed. Listen, most of us, we're on about a, most of us in this room, barring that Jesus doesn't return, which he might, you're probably on about a, 50-year relationship starting tonight. 
So it's not like Jesus is looking at you and going, Christine Watson, I wish you had attained to full maturity now, you lazy, pathetic slug. No, the very nature of Christine saying, no, I'm willing and I want and I desire. I come with my, and my brokenness and my weakness. The father looks at that and he goes, I like that. That, that is what I'm looking for. Sincerity, willingness is everything. Even in brokenness. Jesus was always praising the willing. The children, they, didn't, they weren't mature you know? But Jesus looked at children and praised them. Why? There's an innocence and a willingness. Jesus looked at poor people that were willing. Jesus looked at the lady who gave, you know, the widow's mite that gave everything into the box, who gave everything. It was willingness. Jesus looked at even from the lepers to the um, to even the Romans, even the centurions that were willing. And those that had spiritual attainment, never, never did he look at a cocky guy with a spiritual attainment and go, good job. No, Nicodemus, I mean, some of the other guys got praised that had attained, but they were willing. It's always about willing. It's always about willing. And that willingness is always a statement that goes, you are love, you are love. No matter where you are in your attainment, the willing one always goes, I have not obtained. I'm like, I'm, I'm like peewee, man. Like my deep end is the shallow end of the bathtub, dude. I am not even close to the deep end. I'm, I, I, there's so much more in God. There's so much more transformation to take place. I think one of the examples that you could see of this is is when you look at like, I'm talking about people that, that, that though they're broken, they're, they're always wanting Jesus and Jesus is always the solution and the answer. And some people rebuttal and they say, okay, well, if you talk that way, then you're giving people license to sin and there's not enough of a repercussion for when people sin. Okay, well, the reality is, is that the willing spirit no matter how many times I fall down or get into sin, they're always wanting to get out. It's different than the person that is looking to sin and trying to justify it. Trying to get away with what they can. And the person that is looking to, that sins and is trying to get away with what they can, you know, if you look at pigs when they get into mud, what do they do? They roll around in mud, right? They love the mud, right? Any farmers here, right? Is that true? Okay. All right, nobody wants to admit to it because they're looking for a spouse and that's hard to admit. So anyway, all right, all the farmers kept their hands down. All right, but anyway, there we go. Ah, right there, okay. All right, so is that true, Justin? Pigs roll around in mud. Okay, so there you go. All right, but if you look at, if you look at sheep, you know what sheep do? When sheep go get in the mud, they're constantly trying to get out. They hate it. And that's the difference. When you get into sin, if you're trying to get out of it, and you're like, ugh, oh God, he's like, see that willing spirit? You're going to the place where clean happens, coming back to God. The person that's like, yeah, but let me tell you why I did this, and well, I think it's probably okay, and you know, I mean, in the Old Testament, they had thousands of wives, so hey, you know, I don't know. I mean, and always trying to look for a reason. It's like the swine rolling around in the mud, and you are on a dark path. To wickedness. But Jesus looks at the sheep that's just trying to get out of it and he goes, man, that's what I'm looking for. Jesus loves sincerity. If you're sincere, I mean at your core, you can fall down over and over again and God goes, I'll lift you up out of the miry pit. Those who look to me, Psalm 34, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. All right. Number six, Jesus likes maturing disciples. He does. When you're in process, maturing disciples, we're all disciples here. You wanna love God? Know that he loves you even when you're in process. John 15, nine, it's one of my favorite verses. Because Jesus looks at disciples, Peter, 
James, John, Matthew, Thomas, Bartholomew. And just in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus has already said, we already know at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus at the Last Supper says, all of you are going to betray me. I tell you tonight, you're all going to betray me. Jesus knew. Say, Jesus knew. Okay, I need to know you're with me. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Okay, good. All right. So listen. So, so Jesus looks, I know this is long, but this isn't, this isn't church. This, this is a discipleship program. I want you to get this. I don't want you to walk out of here and be entertained. I want you to walk out of here and have this in you. I want you to preach this 10 years from now, all right? Or tomorrow night, maybe, all right? So get this. Talk about this. Let's, all right, let's get this. All right, so Jesus looks at disciples that in Matthew 26, he looks at them and he says, I tell you tonight, you're all gonna disown me. Then John adds in his gospel in John 15, in the same monologue, I mean in the same night, the same conversation, he says to them, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So here's the point. Jesus looks at them and he is full knowledge that they're going to disown him. We're talking three years hanging out together, walking together. Hey, these are going to be the change agents to escort revival into the world and be the, you know, the missionaries to the ends of the earth. We're talking about the people that are going to you know, do miracles, break out of jails, yeah, shadow healing people. These people better be committed. These people are the, like the good guys, right? When Jesus looks at these weak guys, he knows full well, full well that they're going to deny him. I mean, imagine that. He knows it. He knows that they're going to deny him. And his love for them does not change. Matthew is going to disown me. Peter's going to disown me. James is going to disown me. Thomas, dang it, Thomas. Come on, Peter. Come on. They're all going to deny me. He looks at him and says, as the Father has loved me, the way, the kind of love, this is point number one that we talked about tonight, the kind of love that exists in my Father's heart for me, that's how much I love you. And then the disciples go out and they do disown him. They leave him. And you think, you think that surely when Jesus appears after the crucifixion, you know when he's walking through walls and saying, here, touch me here, and can I eat some fish? You know that? You'd think he'd be like ticked off. Like, you suckers, man, I gave three years to you. I called you out of like lame jobs to be rocking disciples. You guys are going to be like the, on the 12 foundation stones of the eternal city. I'm going to, you guys, you guys, you're getting your name in the Bible. Come on. Where, where were you God? No. Jesus wasn't. Jesus looks at these guys. Treats them as friends. My favorite is in John 21. Peter's denied him three times. I mean, denied him three times. Think about the pain that Peter feels. Enter into that. Enter into that pain that Peter feels. You denied him three times. The one that you loved, the one that you said you die for, the one that you saw do miracles, the one that you saw his face become radiant and literally glow after hanging out with Moses and Elijah. And the pain of, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will never deny you. Servant girl, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Jesus locks eyes with him. John 21. You can read it yourself. And he goes, you pathetic, loser, slug, hypocrite, lame, Pete. I told you you didn't know what I mean. No. Peter looks at him. Jesus locks eyes with him. And for the three times that Peter disowned him, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And for the three denials, Jesus comes around in John 21, and his goal was not to question Peter's sincerity. It was to establish it. Peter, with your own mouth, around a fire not long ago, to servant girls, 
who said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. But I'm the God that redeems and loves you even in the midst of your weakness and brokenness. And I see the sincerity in your spirit. And I told you back in Matthew chapter 16, I told you that you're a rock and on this rock I build my church. And Peter, I've loved you, I'm counting on you. You, Peter, are gonna do great things and though you feel weak and broken and though you feel average and though you feel pathetic, Jesus came back and for the three times that he denied him, Jesus came and reinstated him and Peter with his own lips said, I am a lover of God, I am a lover of God, I am a lover of God. And two things took place. Number one, Jesus came and he established in Peter's mind, Jesus still loves me. Jesus is still with me. Jesus still believes in me. But in addition, you know what he established? Jesus believes that I still love him. He sees, even when I don't see, when I feel like my commitment is weak, he sees the sincerity in my heart. He sees it. I am a lover of God. I am a, I don't feel like it. The number one thing the devil does is he comes to you and he says, Christine Watson, you're a hopeless hypocrite. Because you claim one thing with your tongue and you can't live it. And the devil takes out far too many of us with that knowledge. You claim it, you sing it, you talk about it in the furnace, you, you, you've preached it, you've wrote about it, you've blogged it, you've sang it. I'm in love with you, I'm giving everything to God. You've sang, you every, and the enemy looks at me and he goes, but you didn't live it. You hypocrite, crawl over in the corner and be a pathetic, average, lazy Christian because that's what you are. And your friends, far too many of mine, have believed it. They believe the lie of the enemy and they measure their success based upon their attainment. They measure their success based upon how many times they did well. And it's not about God, it's about them. And in time, they settle back. Go back to what I used to know, what I used to do. Chill. I'll attend, you know, one God meeting a week on campus. But I don't think I have what it takes to be all in. So I'm going to write off those as nutty preachers or nutty fanatics. I'm gonna create a dogma that I can understand that's really my own religion, my own understanding, has nothing to do with the scriptures. I'm just taking my ideas, placing it on the Bible, settle for half-hearted Christianity, call it justified, and live in shame and pain and disappointment. But the person, he goes, he loves me, he is love. I have beheld him. I want to love him now. I want to give all. He loves me with just, even in my just growing sincerity, even though it's weak, even though it's not fully mature. I'm on a 50-year relationship here. I'm at the beginning of the beginning. He looks at you and he goes, I see that cry in your heart to be wholehearted. I see the way that you're pursuing I know that you want to love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I know you haven't attained to the full measure of even what you've desired, but I see that you're willing. You're a lover of God, Peter. You're a lover of God, Peter. You're a lover of God. Now, the devil says you're disqualified. I say, go lead the greatest revival called Pentecost in Acts 2 that the world will ever see. Go for it. That's how I see you. God uses you, me. And the way that we get there, behold him, study him. It's about you. You love me even in weakness. You see sincerity even when I don't. God goes, yeah. You're a lover of God. Everyone in here, hear this from the Holy Spirit today. You're a lover of God. You're a lover of, you're not a hypocrite. The lie will come at you hundreds of times over the next four years. You hypocrite. But the measure of a hypocrite 
you know what that, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing with their tongue and they never have intention of doing it. They, they just, they say it, but they have full intention of going a different route. That's a hypocrite. The person that claims it with their tongue and says, I'm going to go for it and falls short, that's a Christian. Make it up again. The devil or other people come and say, you hypocrite, and you go, hey, it's all about Jesus. I'm aiming for it. I may not, I may not hit it, but I'm going to aim for it. Though I fall 10,000 times, he's the lifter of my head. He's the one that sustains me. He is the substance. It's him. Will you stand with me? You guys did great tonight. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm pray for you. So uh, come on down here, everybody. And um, this is a furnace. This isn't just friendly, happy, do what you want, church. We're all going to pray together. I love saying that. Can you tell that? I love saying that. I've always dreamed. I've always dreamed of a community of people that we just do this thing wholehearted together. There's no, like, those of you that want junk. We all signed up. We're all going for it. We're all God addicts. We all want everything. If we don't, you're in the wrong tribe. We're going to go for it. Everything. We just place your hands out just like this. I just want to pray for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we, we so desperately want to live in love. We so desperately want to fulfill the first commandment. We want to love like you love, God. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Change us and transform us. From glory to glory from one degree to the next, as we behold. I pray for every furnaceite that's gonna sit in prayer meetings this year. I pray that they would be transformed from one glory to the next, from one phase to the next. I pray that they would be filled and consumed with love for God. And show up in how they treat their parents. Show up in how they treat each other. show up in unity but show up in servanthood show up in loving the world and loving the nations loving the poor all the things that you said Jesus but God we want to we want to live in love just take that statement that you said in 1 John 5 to live in love God we choose tonight Lord God pour out your spirit Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God tonight. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.